God bless the city of Rock Hill. Rock Hill is such a special place. They're going to know Rock Hill for more than Football City USA. Pathways, Indoor Center, Knowledge Park. It's just a wonderful time to be in Rock Hill right now. The city of Rock Hill is one of the only destinations that fully gets it. It builds world-class venues that are better than anywhere in the United States. Hello and welcome into the Rock Hill CityCast, where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill. My name's Matthew Cray, co-host Ashley Studebaker to my right, and in the house, the man himself, Rock Hill Mayor John Geddes. How's it going? Pretty good for a Friday morning. Absolutely, and uh, what better way to know what's going on inside the city of Rock Hill than to bring... The man who knows everything going on the city of Ro- inside the city of Rock Hill, That's maybe right. only to be ousted by his cohort, David Vihan, uh, city manager. But before we get to know you, about you, about the city, and dive into all the, uh, the uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, to dive the into all those things, things the yes. mayor things, yeah. we right. want to get to know about you. So sometimes we do a speed round. Today we thought we'd ask some thought-provoking questions. So okay. we have three, and I want to hear your reasoning behind these you know instead of just an easy answer i want some some thought uh provoking so the first one <laughs> would you rather have a pretend back and forth conversation with every animal you encounter or never be able to acknowledge an animal again hmm. well let's see i so i have three boys do they count N- no they okay. do not count All right. I, that, that was not, I don't think that's in the spirit of the question. Okay. Well, those three boys have three dogs, so I would love to hear what those dogs had to say ah. about life in my house when I'm not there, and certainly about life in the house when my wife and I are not there, and the whole neighborhood is there for the last you know twenty some <laughs> odd years. All right. So the the downside to this question comes the the example I always think of you're you're at a fancy dinner with your wife and some friends, and a fly lands on the table. You're obligated to have a conversation with this fly out in public, and it might make you look a little crazy. So if you accept the good things, it comes with a little bit of crazy with it. Yeah, that's a great, great point there. Um, (laughs) It certainly would make dinner more entertaining for everyone there but me, I would guess. Um, And also, you know, a fly flies around, knows a lot, could (laughs) sort of give me the scoop, especially if we're negotiating something at the table. It might, might. Prove very beneficial. There's All right. nothing wrong with a little crazy, right? Oh, uh, I, I, well, I can't. It's too early in the conversation <laughs> to go that yeah. route, I think. But yes. Cool. Well, our second one: uh, Would you rather help someone move every Saturday, or have to go to Ooh. a kid's birthday party every Saturday? Kid's birthday party every Saturday, <laughs> hands down. I'm 53 years old. My days of moving are over. Mm. Gotcha. And the final one, would you rather have one random meeting or appointment canceled every week or one random bill canceled every month? So, so it's random. So it's it may be a good meeting, a big meeting that gets canceled, one you didn't want to go to, or a small meeting, one that, ah, that's not significant. Same with the bill. It could be your Disney Plus bill yeah. or it it could be your cable bill. Mm. I think I'd take the the meeting. You know, time, I I practice law for a living, and I make my living by time. So having a little more time in my day would always be a good thing. Not not to practice law in, to have a little bit more time. Absolutely. (laughs) What about you, Ashley? What would you choose? Oh, I'm taking the bill all day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have as many meetings, though, as you. So, uh, you know. It might be that utility bill every month. You never know. Oh, there you go. Cool. Well, those are our get-to-know-you questions. We just like to have a little fun, break the ice a little bit. Um, But to get to know a little bit about you, tell us where you grew up um, and how you got to where you are now. 
Well, I was born in Columbia. Um, one of three children. My my brother, who's two years younger than, than me, and my sister, who's seven years younger. We traveled around South Carolina a little bit. Lived in Greenville, Orangeburg, back to Columbia. Moved to Rock Hill right before I started seventh grade. Actually, three days before I started seventh grade. Uh, and uh, come to find out in seventh grade, uh, within the first few weeks, I met a guy by the name of John Black, who I now serve on city oh, council cool. with. We've uh, been in school throughout, as well as who came a little later to the party, but Sheriff Ke- uh, Kevin Tolson was also in our class and, and several other people around town that are very active in, in many community activities. But lived here since I was 13. I've in, uh, didn't know a soul when I moved here, although my family had been here forever. I can remember a lot of great teachers who sort of knew of knew my family, so therefore they knew me, though I didn't know them, and really uh, looked out for me those first you know few months, especially in the first few years in uh, junior high, which is what we used to have back then. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, just enjoyed Rock Hill. Got to where you just you know love everybody you meet. Uh, so many great histories and stories among so many people and their families and. You know, I just sometimes sit and think about, well, what would life be like had I been here before then and known everybody when, you know, funny story, when I lived in Columbia, everybody played baseball. You know, I saw everybody played Dixie Youth Baseball. You played baseball. I was never any good, but I played all the time. Came to Rock Hill and nobody played baseball. Everybody played football. <laughs> I saw, you know, we were like, football? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> we, we played backyard football, but not to the degree that you saw in Rock Hill. So it was it was different. Rock Did you ever end up playing football? No, or I was, with... I was five foot, maybe back then five ten, five eleven, about a hundred pounds. Ah. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> you you laugh. I was really right about a yeah. hundred pounds uh, throughout middle school or junior high and high school, and uh, didn't didn't play any. I mean, played church ball and all, but but that was the extent of it. Did that uh, being here since you were thirteen? Did that play a really big role in kind of taking on the role that you have today? You know, it did in a lot of ways. It it certainly, um, I knew I, I've always known I wanted to go to law school. So that was, you know, part of what I knew I wanted to do in life. And after going to college and law school, I always knew I wanted to come back to Rock Hill. I remember my senior or the senior uh, partner at the law firm I clerked for while I was in law school. I did a good job there and I thought I'd probably get a job offer. And he called me into his office and he said, John, I'd make you an offer, but nobody's going to keep you from going back home. And I said, well, that depends on the offer, right? <laughs> he said, no, nah, you, you won't be happy. Go home. So I did. Came home, practice law, and, you know, enjoyed that and enjoyed coming back and starting my law practice and seeing the people in the community who had had other people that are great lawyers in town start to gravitate and send me business and, and send me closings and send me, you know, cases and this, that, and that. And it sort of helped raise me up as a lawyer, raise me up as a kid, raise me up as a lawyer. And, you know, I just... Yeah, I knew that was special, and I knew that uh, one way to pay that back was to get involved. So got involved right out of right when I got back home, but not in an elected office, and you know just sort of saw how it sort of took off from there. So you've worked your way through a lot of different uh, positions in Rock Hill, which we will get into later. What went into your very first decision that hey, I'm going to run for mayor? Oh, well, I'd been on city council for a while. I served two terms on city council, and I stopped serving after I realized that every day I had to run to a ball game for one of my three boys Mm -hmm. or a council meeting or uh, a client meeting or something. I just couldn't keep it up anymore. 
And I remember talking to Doug because he, uh, Doug Eccles, who was the mayor, he's a great mayor, one of the greatest mayors I think ever. Um, and he got a little bit, you know, perturbed. Well, why aren't you running again? I said, well, you know, Doug, I went through my spiel and I, and I told him at the time, but I would like one day when you're done being mayor, I'd like to maybe take a shot at it because I just felt like that was sort of where I wanted to go. So I knew back about 10, 15 years ago now that I felt like you know, the next generation as we came up that I had some something to offer and I wanted to give it a shot and see where we went from there. What's the biggest difference that you notice as your time um, on city council to now mayor? What's the biggest difference there? Um, our city is much different today than it was 15 years ago. I don't. I think those that have been around can see that. You know, when you look at you know, our downtown area, and 15 years ago we were just begging people, just begging people to do anything. I, I told the then city manager, say anything you put on the agenda that has something to do with downtown, I'm for it. I don't care if I like it or not, I'm for it because we've got to get downtown going. And you look at something like Fountain Park and what it's done for us. And then you look at just the explosion of what we see downtown now, the Miracle Park that we've seen now. I think just the real big difference in the last 15 years is Rock Hill, the people of Rock Hill, starting to be comfortable with who we are as a community. We were, before I came back, when we were a textile community, but in that transition from when we all were, or our families, my dad, my grandparents, when they worked in mills to where we are now, that transition was hard on a lot of people. It was a change in the way of life, a change in the way of our lifestyles, the economy, all these things. You had, I think, an unwritten tension between the uh, you know, the people in, in leadership that might be trying to be a little bit too big for themselves in our community. But I think now we're comfortable with who we are um and what i sort of think is we're so comfortable with who we are we we maybe dare to be a little bit more than anybody thinks we can be what challenges are unique to the mayor position well it's time i mean the amount of time you put into being mayor i I think any mayor would tell you that it's it's a lot different You you represent everybody in rock hill but as a city council person and I, I give due credit to every member of our city council. They don't, in my opinion, they don't see themselves as, well, this is my ward and I'm going to be responsible mm-hmm. for it. I think every single city council person, and for years now, not just these individuals, but those before them, have recognized we all play a role in the bigger good. We're all representing all of Rock Hill. We're elected by a certain portion, city council members are, uh, but we make decisions that's in the best interest of the city as a whole. I think it's a very healthy place for us to be as a community. I'm very thankful for our city council members who see uh, their leadership in that regard. Uh, but as as mayor, you know, we'll do this podcast now. I've got uh, a bus tour later this afternoon with some um, older people in our community to show them some things that's going on in downtown that they can't really get out and see on their own. And then the developer from California who's doing a development here in Rock Hill that got a little sideways with us uh, six, eight months ago. We worked all that out, and he's coming to town. He said, I really want to just meet you, you know, mm-hmm. not just you, Mayor, but your team, because you came together, and you, we cut through a stuff, and you just made it work. So I got to go see that guy. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Uh, and it's, it's you know, yesterday was Veterans Day. We had a lot going on then. Several city council members there as well. 
but it is time is, is the biggest difference between the two. And how do you how do you handle time? Not very well. <laughs> Not very well at all. Uh, my law partners are. We had our uh, retreat for our attorneys earlier this week, and I was scared to death. It was really an intervention, uh, mm. is what I expected <laughs> it to be. But well, we we struggle through. It's like when you get breakfast and you know you get pancakes. You ask for the syrup, and then you pour the syrup, and then your dad will be like, "Hey, do you want some pancakes with that syrup? Like, there's so much syrup on it now." Right. The blending of the the two positions. Yes. Um, so you you've had a lot of different proud notable accomplishments, and we'll go through some of them, and then at the end you can tell us if we missed any. But sure. uh, the big one right now, the Carolina Panthers coming to Rock Hill. What was your role in that whole story? Well, you know, that really remains to be seen. It, it, once it's all over, we'll come up with a narrative, I think, that we'll all stick <laughs> with, right? Um, I did, uh, after becoming mayor, that was shortly thereafter, almost four years ago now, David Tepper bought the Carolina Panthers franchise for all that are pay attention. Uh, the former owner, Jay Richardson, graduated from Wofford College, so he had their training camp in Spartanburg every year, and I learned, I don't know how, uh, that that lease, their their contract to have their training camp there had a year or two left on it. So when the transfer and ownership happened, you know, I knew uh, the new, this new guy from New Jersey has no tie to Wofford College <laughs> or to Rock Hill for that matter. Mm. And I wrote him a letter and said, you know, the mayor of Rock Hill, I know your training camp's uh, coming up and we'd like the opportunity to talk to you uh, now. That's the letter. People say, well, you know, you got him. No, this guy is a billionaire. He knew, you know, he's been doing his due diligence, he, all this. But that's my story, right? And I'll have that as my story till the day I die in, in proper company. Um, so after, you know, that letter and a little bit of follow-up, it was a little bit of cloak and dagger. Matt, you were with the news organization. I remember you calling and you know anything about this? Past? No, I don't know a thing. <laughs> don't know a thing. Well, somebody said, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. So there's a lot of that cloak and dagger and a lot of fun, you know, fun uh, things about that that I'll never forget and negotiated a good bit, got real close with that uh, group. And we worked through a lot of the bigger issues. And for the last year, we've been working on the very small but very, very important issues uh, to both of us. And we're real close to having that all buttoned up. So I think the million dollar question for many in the community, as we just wonder, where are things now with mm. the Panthers here? Well, it changes daily, so it's hard to give you a straight answer on that. I'll tell you, a year ago now, we struck a contract, and that contract said that you know the Panthers are coming to Rock Hill, that the improvements that they build on that property are going to create tax revenue, and we're going to use that tax revenue to pay for the public infrastructure, mm -hmm. the roads, the sidewalks, and all of those things. That deal struck. It's signed. It's there. Um, since that time, um, what the panther oh, and construction is ongoing right. you know i you mean it's see it. I've it's, seen it's it. 180 yes. feet up in the air it's cool it's really <laughs> cool and now when you drive down the interstate you can see the beginning of the interstate even bridge cool at night you can see yeah the, the light yeah. yeah it's it's i it's think something. the the best view is when you go down mount gallant because you can actually see the structure going right. up it, it is i mean i go by there all the time <laughs> it's really and i've taken a few tours and it's even cooler as as, okay. as more into the end but so uh so it's all this construction is happening. Well, somebody's paying for that, right? It's, that's not just magically happening. And so those improvements are happening, and they're happening by the private owner of that, which was the deal, mm -hmm. that he would build the public improvements or his company would. We would help with the tax revenue to pay for uh, the public infrastructure. Well, there's no tax revenue yet. 
there won't be really any tax revenue until they get a CO, a certificate of occupancy, and then it becomes taxable. So really, we're in sort of a, a gray area such that everything's going just fine, but we're negotiating over things that help the Tepper organization get a better deal with the finance people that they're going to go to and sort of roll all this into and spread it out and amortize it and take tax deductions and do all that forever. So we've been working with on that a good bit. And so when you work on these things that help them, of course, and you're in a room, somebody goes, well, what if we do this? And you say, no, we can't do that. Well, what if we do that? And we say, well, we could do that. So we, we're negotiating around the edges of the deal. The deal hasn't changed and trying to negotiate around those in a way that make the financing of this better for them because the more money that the Panthers can get with a lower interest rate or lower things, the more stuff can be done on the site and also the more tax revenue we're going to end up getting to put into the public infrastructure. This this may be a bit of a naive question, and maybe I'm just being a, a bit of a fanboy over here, but <laughs> what is it like nego- negotiating with the richest mm. owner of the world's most profitable sport? It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, okay. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Same, when, yeah. when you stop and when all these cloak and dagger things were going on, I was actually had taken my kids with another couple. They were skiing. I don't ski. They ski. And we were up on top of a mountain. I got a call. I said, it's, it's, it's going. And I can remember just putting my heads up in the air at the top of this mountain, snow come down, going, this is awesome. I mean, just think about the world we live in right now. And in Rock Hill, especially, to be able to you know, just be a part of something that nobody else gets to do and uh, sit in a room and talk about the jobs that are being created. You know, the thing is, we all talk about this Panthers facility, and it's glorious, no question about it. But the value of that football facility is about $650 million. The value of the complex is over $2 billion. Wow. We're not talking about, we're talking about, you know, the icing on the cake right now. We're not talking about the bread and butter and what's coming to this site and the jobs it's going to create and the opportunities that we're going to have and the people it's going to attract. And this is like a 30-year build-out, correct? And it's about a 14-year build-out. It's 14. about a 30-year payout to, okay. uh, to pay okay. for the public infrastructure. That's right. But the build-out's probably 12 to 14 years. That may change. You know, we'll see. But, you know, the football stuff's going to be ready in less than two years. Right. Wow. And then it's, then it's on. So then you talk about 12 years of companies, Fortune 100 companies. You know, I've thrown out – I don't know anything, but I've thrown out the idea it would not be crazy for Rock Hill to host the NFL draft. Like, those are a type of things you could bring in. I, I'm, this wow, is, now you're speaking my language. I'm, this is you know. Matthew speaking. But um, – <laughs> Let's just be clear. That was Matthew speaking. That was Matthew that was speaking. <laughs> and that was these not. These are not the things the mayor knows. I'm just speculating. But these, those are the type of tourism events and businesses that could come to this area. Matthew's hopes and dreams. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, we're, we're talking sports I, I just here. want to be very clear here. Not that I'm scared of what, what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not saying anything on purpose. Right. <laughs> Um, you actually served as the chairman of the Rock Hill Sports Conim- Commission for about five years. It's more conniption, if you ask yep. me. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was that like for you? Well, actually, we started it. Um, before um, finishing my term on city council, it was right when we were working on the velodrome and BMX and all that, getting it together and having conversations about, you know, we're going to have to control these venues. Otherwise, we're going to have outside people wanting to come in 
and lock up tournaments and do all these great things in our facilities. And that's really not the best interest of the people of the city of Rock Hill. And so I retired and, and didn't run it about two or three years later. Doug called and said, hey, uh, let's talk about how we control the using of these facilities and talk about this, uh, maybe a sports commission. So I said, oh, sign me up. And so was there from the beginning, enjoyed it. Had a lot of great members on there that have come and gone and even better members on there now. Um, I remember one of the first things we did um, was the city came to the Sports Commission with a rendering of the facility being built at the BMX site, sort of the clubhouse, if you will. And it was a government building. I mean, it was not pretty. And the Sports Commission said, yeah, take that back. You know, we need something iconic. People need to know they're at, a com- at our community. And so now you have that building with the wave on the roof. Just looks really good. Shortly after that, I remember as chair, uh, Manny Kimmel and uh, Kathy Bigham talking during a, a meeting about how we needed to really pay attention to this thing called women's volleyball and how big it was and how they'd seen their kids or grandchildren playing in that and basketball and all that. And they said, you know, Rock Hill really ought to get in this business of of these travel leagues and and prt said yeah that's that's great idea and let's go on to the next agenda item and as chairman i said okay next meeting got it back on the agenda so we talked about it again and pr says well you know so communities do that well and it's it's all good to see and you know maybe one day rock hill could do it and you know talked it off and we all left and next meeting is back on that agenda again and prt said yeah we hear you loud and clear we'll start looking at it so now we have the sports and event center you know, and that came from conversations amongst the sports commission that prompted, you know, bigger conversations and then a development partner that's looking for a, an anchor to his development. And now look at something that's taken our sports tourism from a $24 million a year direct ac- economic impact to a $70 million mm-hmm. a year direct economic impact from sports tourism. It's pretty impressive. So two big facilities right there. We'll start with the sports and event center. What kind of impact does that have on Rock Hill? Uh, well, I just gave the numbers, you know, yeah. 24 million to almost 70 million in, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. is a pretty mm-hmm. strong number to start with. But it's done more than that. I mean, you will be announcing soon if we haven't already that uh, we have a major uh, tournament or camp that will be held in July of each year going forward uh, by a certain shoemaker um, Adidas that's coming in and they'll be bringing the biggest and best high school athletes uh, to play here, and every college coach and pro coach will be here to watch them. Um, that's a pretty big deal for Rock Hill, yeah. you know. Um, the World Cornhole Championships, you know, we've got things that are coming to our sports and event center and getting us up. We've got the No Room for Racism Basketball Classic in December. The game will be televised and carried on, on television. You know, when you start to see a city – do that not a college you know a city have a facility that's bringing in these kind of things um you're attracting people i mean let's let's not be you know there's a certain uh commission of uh athletes that's looking for a new home uh that's a lot of their schools are on the east coast you know who better to host them is it hard for you? I just have to ask, is it hard for you to keep some se- these big secrets sometimes? Oh, I mean, you're the first hard. man to know, so how yeah. exciting is... <laughs> it's very hard, and it's it's fun. And what's really hard is when you're in a room and you hear someone say something that you know is coming, and they're saying, you know, what if this might happen? And you just sit there and you have to be quiet and <laughs> right. say, 
you know, I'm being quiet on purpose. Um, it's neat. It's really neat. You also left the Sports Commission right before the um, 2017 BMX Worlds when they came to Rock Hill. Can you kind of, what do you remember most about that experience? Well, I actually left after. I was there through okay. that and then uh, stepped down after that when I started running for mayor. Um, you know, again, that was sort of one of those moments where I think we, I felt like Rock Hill had become comfortable with itself. You know, when you're driving around, I remember that week, driving out on Dave Lyle and seeing adults on bicycles not you know not with flower baskets on the front bicycles uh, zipping around uh, on the sidewalks and doing all kind of wonderful things and going out to this facility and hearing multiple languages being spoken of which I knew nothing you know if it <laughs> there were no adjectives and adverbs that I recognized in that um, and just recognizing that they were all in Rock Hill for a reason that the taxpayers had you know, the, or the city council and mayor at the time had the vision to build and the taxpayers gave their okay to do. Um, and, you know, the feedback from the host organization committee and the many participants there, you know, was universal in that this is the best one we've ever had. Uh, we're coming back. And they're coming back, you know, seven years later. Uh, you know, before we hosted it in 2017, the BMX Supercross World Championships hadn't been in the United States since 2000 or 2001. 16 years wow. between in the United States. They come to Rock Hill, and seven years later, they're back. So we made an impression, and I think that that's just really a testament to a lot of hard work by our PRT department. You know, Jerry Shapiro and Sig Hewitt were the leaders of that. This coming one, we've got Catherine Faircloth and Amelia Anderson in charge of it. The the community part of that as well as our prt guys it's going to be fabulous and don't forget this time it comes will be in 24 just across the interstate from this will be a world class facility we didn't have seven well five years ago now four years ago now so it's just going to be even that much bigger that much greater uh so we've had the 2017 championships you know we, we kind of figured out how things went with a bmx world championship we get another shot at it a few years down the road what's going to be different this time around well we know what we're doing this time around <laughs> right um we'll certainly have that medical tent like we had last time we learned how important that was i'll never forget you know getting there and i went down and sat for a while right at the base of that big first gate and remember seeing people just get up with their shoulders hanging to the ground and their elbows popped out and you're going golly these kids i mean this is rough yeah and they were in that medical tent all the time so it'll be the same there this come this time around you know we're a bigger city than we were then we we know what we we're doing we had a lot of uh, pomp and circumstance you know if you remember we had the kickoff at fountain park and we had kids out there, i say kids young adult, young men and women out there on their bicycles doing flips in the street on ramps and just big celebration I had the governor in town uh, I expect we'll do all that again and, you know, ratchet up a, uh, another notch mm. or two. So you touched on previously the No Room for Racism mm -hmm. uh, tournament that's going to be coming here, which is powerful in and of itself. And Rock Hill, when you come into city limits, you see a No Room for Racism sign. You see the on-street mural in front of um, the uh, warehouses on White. Mm -hmm. um, and you, from my understanding, you had a, a part in kind of establishing that mantra here for Rock Hill. Where, where does that come from? Well, I moved back to Rock Hill in 1995 to start practicing law. And um, I 
attend First ARP Church, which was a downtown church, and there were several people in our church that wanted to figure out how we got more involved in the community. So that I was asked to be on that committee, chair that committee, and I did at the church. And we had some really good people on that committee. One of them was Manny Kimmel um, and, and others. And um, another one, Bill Turner, was actually on the city's human relations committee at the time. We started talking, and Manny had found out about a, a city or a community out in California, in Shasta, California, that had done something called No Room for Racism. And so we learned about it, and, you know, Manning's very persuasive, and he said, you know, why can't we do that in Rock Hill? It seems to me, this was Manning, uh, that we need to, you know, fill that void. And I think that's really the beauty of No Room for Racism. Of course, we took it to the city, the city committee. We, we joined or came alongside. And then we went around to all, a lot of the businesses and, and the county council, city council, and others, asked them to pass resolutions and sign on to a resolution that said that we are a community that has no room for racism. And I think what we have to recognize, what we said then and is still true today, we're not saying it's not here. I mean, we're not that naive and not that stupid to say something like that. It's been around forever. Mm -hmm. We'll always be around, in my opinion. Um, But what we are saying or what we were saying then is that for a community like ours, if we can acknowledge that we have some really important stuff to work on, you know, and worry about, like how we make sure all of our people are earning living wages. How do we make sure that people are getting a good education? How we're making sure that families that need help are getting help and helping them get them opportunities to pick themselves up and to move forward. When we work on all that, we realize we just don't have any room in our lives for racism. I mean, that's what the meaning of that is. And so, you know, the city council at the time was, uh, you know, after we talked it out and everybody understood where this was coming from, they were, they were I think, had enough foresight to see that that as a community, as Martin Luther King Jr. said years ago, you know, it's that chasm of nothingness that's going to be filled by something. Is it going to be filled by evil or good? And I think what the city of Rock Hill decided at the time, and we continue to do, is let's talk about these things and let's talk about them in a holistic and a community-inspired conversation so that we don't give up that conversation to people of ill will. And so to me, that's what No Room for Racism means, isn't that it's not here. It means that we're dedicated to recognizing the worth in each of us and each other such that we continue to talk through things. So something that wasn't on your uh, list of expectations when you signed up to be mayor uh, was a pandemic. Uh, How was it? What was it like guiding Rock Hill through a pandemic? Well, are we through it yet is really the question. We're much better than we were, no question about it. Um, And it wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. I got to tell you, I love my city council members. I mean, we disagree on certain things, no question about it. And sometimes we disagree vehemently, you know, but we trust each other and we have a lot of respect for each other. And uh, we trust our, our city manager and his staff. And uh, so we had some good discussions and we talked about, you know, where we're going. And we had to take some tough votes, you know, nobody wants masks. Who in the right mind would want to live in a world where you have to wear a mask? But at the time when there was no vaccine and when there was a lot of, you know, worry about what this means and you had medical experts telling you one thing, you know, there was a majority of council that felt that was the right way to go. Um, and, and we did. And for a long time, it seemed to me looking at numbers that the the curve was flatter on people that lived in the city than it was for people that didn't live in the city. Now, I don't know if the mass played a role in that or not. I don't know. But the, I think the proudest thing that I've been involved with as mayor 
over the last four years and probably in my lifetime is that vaccination clinic. When you have over 1,600 people of your community come together and realize that as a community we needed to come together and we needed to take care of each other, and they went to a clinic where people are coming in to get a shot that probably some of them have the virus but may not know it, and putting yourself in that position every day uh, to give people shots, and you give over 50,000 shots over you know an eight- or nine-week period and fit, what, 59 days of operation, um, and you you see the best of Rock Hill come in there, and you hear I would go every morning and give a little – a pep talk to the volunteers and you you to hear anecdotal stories about you know an email we received from someone that says that said uh chick-fil-a and walt disney world got nothing on you guys mm-hmm. you know and that you take a lot of pride in that and i was just talking to someone yesterday about how uh, he's a little older than i am and is more experienced than i am in a, in the public sector just how how big a deal that was for us as a community i think just to be a mayor that that can say by your effort, by my efforts, and the city council and everyone else, you rallied a community for something good. That's special. So I think we've touched on some of the big points over the past four years, and now that you've been reelected, you can start looking forward to the next four years. What are some of the big things on the horizon? Well, the biggest thing is the thing we've been working on a little while, and that's this tax increment district on the south side of Rock Hill. You know, we just finished up some annexations of some property on I-77, some 18 property owners, about 2,500 acres are now part of the city of Rock Hill that weren't a few months ago. Uh, The development of those properties uh, will create tax revenue. That tax revenue will then be used to pay for public infrastructure in a part of our town that hasn't had any real investment in a long time. And, and we have to recognize the history of that. This is the oldest part of town. It was the part of town that was built by the mill owners. You know, back in the day, someone or a company out of New York or wherever would open up a mill uh, for textiles, and they would build houses around the mill for their employees to live in and a park right around that mill so their employees could play softball or whatever else. And then they would compete against the other mill owner and their team. So these mill owners weren't really worried about cur- curbing gutter. And they weren't worried about, you know, sanitation like a city is. They're not worried about uh, wastewater like a city is. You know, I can, I can tell you stories that, that have happened when I was on city council of going out and seeing a house out in one of these mills and recognizing that their um, wastewater line just emptied in the bottom of their backyard. That's the way it used to be for everybody, you know. And so we've got to get into that part of town, and we're going to get in that part of town. We're in that part of town uh, already. Um, and we'll finish up the TIF district from the city side, I think, relatively soon and uh, start negotiating with our counterparts on the county council and the school board and, and get to a point where we can all you know, buy into the future of our community. What are some of the things that the South Side can expect to see throughout this process? Well, um, so the way this is going to work is the fr- so properties are going to have to be built out by I-77. Right. And they'll create tax similar to the Panthers project. They'll create tax revenue. And so once that tax revenue is created, we can take that and spend it on public benefits. Mm. Well, the first project is going before the uh, planning commission with their sketch plan next month. If it didn't happen this week, it happened. I think it happened this week, actually. So they'll start building the first of the year. So that means that 
property, which is a million square foot of distribution, will create probably about oh, a couple million dollars a year in annual taxes. And that couple million dollars a year, if the schools and the county sign off as well, will then turn around and be plopped into the south side of Rock Hill. And so when you have this project and one or two others that we feel like are really close to getting off the ground, you know, you get about $5 million, $6 million of economic impact or tax receipts for those three properties, just three properties. You can go out if you wanted to, and you could get a bond for about $40 million. Five years from now, you might stick $40 million on the south side of Rock Hill. Well, if you do that, Emmett Scott's going to be renovated, reformed, whatever. McGird Auditorium's going to be done. Uh, we'll have a lot of money to put towards affordable or workforce housing. And one of the things, you know, we're sort of batting around is do we create something, and I'll give due credit to Amy Falkenberry on this. She had a better term than I did when we were talking about it. I was thinking like a teacher's village uh, where you would have a um, – uh, an affordable workforce housing complex so that the school district could recruit teachers to come to Rock Hill, you know, because we got to, we got to compete. I mean, that's what it's all about. And then I'll, you know, from being selfish that I am is making sure we do the same for our police officers. How we recruit more police officers here versus other communities. Her term was better. Don't call it a teacher's village, call it a hero's village. Mm. So we use that. We create a hero's village so that you can get some folks into town you know, have a reduced rate for their rent while they're just starting out and really help them get on their feet and hopefully stay here and teach for 30 years or police for 30 years and the like. So that'll be at the top. We've got them weighted. Um, and we'll, you know, I think that's just the public investment. What I do know is there are private developers, uh, one that I talk to somewhat regularly out of Virginia, who's just waiting. And as soon as that's done, he's going to come do his private development, which, again, is what we want but more into the south side. I think the the facility you see behind the Burger King on Saluda, the old uh, grocery store, it'll come down. My guess is, you know, six months or so after we get this all worked out, we'll start to see something there. We'll, it's just, we're going to see what we want to see out there, just like we have downtown and just like we're seeing out at the Panthers facility. What are some things that you want this, to see the city improve upon in the long term? So maybe not something that's in the short term, as we're seeing with the south side, but long-term? Who, you know, getting ready to start my second term, I asked myself that question. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it? You know, if you look at this last four years, I think really the story of this last four years has been our economy. How do we make sure that we have this rising tide that everybody can take advantage of and build, build prosperity, get a job, you know, those kind of things. And then I think the second term, at least, I'm not there yet, but thinking through it, I I do think that as a community, we're not going to be the Rock Hill we really should be until we're a community that really recognizes the importance of education. And I don't mean public school education. I don't mean secondary education. I mean all education so that our public schools get more support from our community than they get now. Our private schools, our charter schools. Clinton, York Tech, Winthrop University, we've got to be, I mean, we don't have a hospital that's a teaching hospital. You know, Greenville has those, Charleston has those, where they can bring their medical students in and they can learn. You know, we don't have that. We don't have the state government. Columbia has that. Well, who are we? You know, what do we need to have that's going to draw people to want to live here and grow here? You know, we've got sports tourism, and, and we don't knock that. That's a big deal. 
but what is it that we do that's sustainable and changes us to be the people that we should be? And I think that's education for us. And I'm looking forward to that conversation with a lot of different people uh, and to figure out what that means. And there are a lot of elements to that. And I think it's going to take a lot of good conversation to get there. But I think that's, in my opinion, at least right now, of course, Four years ago, I had all kinds of ideas, and I didn't know anything about the Carolina Panthers or a pandemic or anything like that. So we'll see. So uh, I think, you know, tying everything together here and finishing up, you're, be, you're about to start your second term. But what would you say has been one of your most proud or notable accomplishments as mayor so far? I hadn't screwed it up. <laughs> That's for sure. You yes. know, I haven't screwed it up. No, I, it's that vaccination clinic. I, I think that really... You know, over time, we're going to realize just how, you know, that's sort of, I mean, y'all might not remember this, but Little House on the Prairie was a show uh. years ago, and there was always an episode, it seemed like, where someone who'd worked really hard, and they were down on their luck, and then the community stepped forward and sort of carried them over the finish line, that, that feel-good story. I think that's what the vaccination clinic really was for us, and we don't really quite emotionally grasp that yet, is how special that was. Nobody else did that. I mean, nobody did what we did in Rock Hill. And that wasn't our city government. It was our city people. And that's just, I think, an amazing story. And we have a few minutes left here at the mm -hmm. end. Talk about how fast that came together. Oh, yeah. It came together pretty fast, like most good things do, right? <laughs> so um, got a call from the CEO of Piedmont. said, Mayor, we got to start giving these shots out. And um, you think you can give us a police officer to help with crowd control at the hospital? I said, ah, sure, but there's no way you can pull that off. Yeah, we're going to have them park. Maybe you give us... Uh, some police there so we can manage parking and close one lane on John Gaston Boulevard. I said, dude, there's no way. <laughs> there's just no way you can do that. And so we talked and we talked, and I think they realized really quick, yeah, we got to find a better answer to that. They called a community meeting. We were there, um, Jimmy Bagley and I from the city, and you certainly we let everybody else in the room you know, talk out what they thought and he and I, Jimmy and I, had an idea of where we felt like this could get to and waited. And when there didn't seem to be a consensus otherwise, we stepped forward and said, you know, we'll we'll step forward and we'll see how this works. So in eight days, we opened a clinic. And 59 days after that, we closed that clinic. Um, and just recently, we closed the mini clinic that we'd had uh, to sort of get through. And there's some, a lot of people at the city of Rock, a lot of employees that just ran over there at a moment's notice that gave of their time you know and again i just think we all gloss over there was a virus that was probably inside that door about every day that we just didn't know about and it was what so, some fifty thousand doses is that right and over fifty thousand doses in 59 days 1600 volunteers you know and it wasn't just the city of rock hill i mean york county had employees there the school districts they were phenomenal uh, we were doing I was doing zoom calls it seemed like for the first two weeks every other day with uh, superintendents and board chairs and they'd send people over and as soon as the teachers were allowed to get their shots if you remember they couldn't get them right off um, we just closed the clinic down for just teachers for a couple of days and, and ran them through of all those school districts city of York was fabulous as well as uh, the school district of uh, Clover, uh, it's Fort Mill School District was wonderful. TGK had a lot of people over. So, you know, it just was neat to see. And, you know, a lot of elected officials would come and give her their day there to do it as well. And, you know, it was rewarding to see that. Anything that we missed today, anything you'd like to add? 
no, I enjoyed it. It was fun um, and to talk about all this, and I look forward to coming when we can talk about things we can't talk about right now. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about them later because a lot of great things coming to Rock Hill, and it's it really is a testament to the people of Rock Hill to be known as a community that knows how to get big things done. And when you have that, uh, you know, that persona, it really attracts big things. So I'm looking forward to a lot more announcements coming up pretty soon. Awesome. Well, thanks for yes, joining thank us today. Thank you so much. Sure, thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill CityCast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.